Hello, everyone, and welcome to our 13th episode of Honesty Hour. Today, we'll be joined by a guest who's um, going to be opening our eyes to a new topic on this channel related to religion and mental health. Um, before we get started, though, we'll start it off as we usually do. Um, so today and this week, um, I've been I've been feeling a little bit burnt out, I would say. I just haven't been feeling super motivated, and um, it's... I don't know. I just feel like I'm doing the bare minimum right now. Obviously, with like searching for jobs, it's exhausting, but it's just like an overall feeling that I've been having. Um, honestly, I'm trying to figure out new ways of how to deal with that because I'm not really sure. Um, it's something I haven't really experienced that much of before. But um, yeah, I'm working on it and just wanted to let you guys know how I'm doing. Um, but now we can kind of get into the introduction of our guest today. So for today, we are joined by Aisha Patel. She is a Muslim YouTuber as well as a sophomore at USC. She's studying communications with a minor in business. Um, she will today will be talking about a variety of topics, um, her experience at USC as a Muslim, as well as what her experience was like growing up and how she found religion, as well as kind of talking about how she views mental health through this lens. She said that um, when I've had conversations with her that um, her religion is what grounds her mental health. So that's definitely a topic we'll dive into. Um, I'm super excited to kind of have this topic be a recurring one on this podcast and we wanna look at it through all different types of religious lenses. Um, so please welcome Aisha Patel. Hi. Hello. How are you I'm doing? Green joining me this morning. <laughs> I know it's a little bit different than what we planned, but what were you saying? Sorry. No, no, you're good. I was like, I would have put on a green screen, but um, I don't have that function in my my laptop. So. Oh really? Oh yeah. I usually just put it up because it's like I have a bird, so he's just like walking around mm -hmm. in the back, and it just kind oh, of yeah. helps, so it's not too super distracting. But um, welcome. How are you doing this morning? Doing pretty well, doing really well actually. Um, I have a kind of a fun day planned today, so just keeping oh. it low-key, but something to look forward to. That's yeah. awesome. How about yourself? Um, I'm doing pretty good too. I it's just I, I went to bed pretty late last night just doing homework, so a little bit tired, but kind of getting through it. I also have something that planned. Um, it's my one of my friend's birthday, so we're just doing like a little nice beach day, so that'll be at oh, night it's like dinner so that'll be nice but um yeah we can kind of dive into the conversation we were having previously let our audience know a little bit about you i gave an introduction but um now we can kind of talk about maybe where maybe before you came to usc your experience before um and because i know that you had mentioned that it wasn't till your senior year that you started wearing the hijab. So maybe we can kind of talk about that story of how you got to where you were right before you went to college. For sure. Uh, thank you so much for asking me. And uh, thank you so much for having me on this uh, podcast. I'm excited to just dive in. Yeah, so I mean, I guess just providing a little context before going into college. Um, I mean, I my background is like, I, I came from an Islamic uh, religious, like, preschool to eighth grade so I've had this like foundation in like what it means to be Muslim what it means to 
you know, be a practicing Muslim for that matter. And then you, I go into high school and it's just, oh, it's a public high school. So it's different. It's a different environment. And I don't live in, I don't, I'm not in a bubble anymore for that matter. And I really have to figure out, okay, what does it mean to be Muslim in a non-religious setting? Like, because I've never had that type of experience and I'm not going to lie. It was a bit challenging at first because I think my priorities are shifting already getting those grades getting like being in the popular group like going to these like whatever it may be it was just like a kind of like a shift in mindset shift in priorities mm-hmm. and um I was involved with my MSA like the Muslim Student or, um, Association on in high school and on my campus but it was just like okay I was part of the organization and I it didn't anything didn't nothing happen beyond that on on campus everyone knew I was Muslim I never hid that factor but it wasn't something that like I just discussed like hey like I whatever this is what I believe in whatever it may be um up until like the senior year of my high school Mm -hmm. prior to putting on the hijab and making that conscious decision um I just had experiences that shaped my understanding of the hijab shaped my like decision to wear it but it was the winter going to my senior year of high school where I kind of just sat down and started reflecting I attended a religious lecture um in which oddly enough the topic was hijab and veiling and like modesty and stuff and I guess that was an inspiration it served as like one of those signs um and I answered that question because the question to me was always when do I wear it? When should I wear it? It was never a question of like, should I wear it to begin with? I always kind of knew this was a step I wanted to take eventually, but I realized that this is the time I was for whatever reason, I was ready to do that. And I asked myself, like, if I can't do it now, when I've grown so close to these, like uh, people around me, my environment for four years, and if they can't accept me with just a change in like appearance, that's saying something. Cause then I don't want these as my friends. I don't want these people. If they can't like accept me, then this is like, I don't want to be here and I don't want to surround myself with these kind of people. Whereas if I were going to put it in college, I would be dealing with two different experiences. The idea of getting into college and also navigating wearing the hijab. And I didn't want to have two different chapters in my life be so, so new to me. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like that's something we didn't really talk about too, is that those two different experiences and how they're now like they came together because of your decision to wear it. Um, so for everyone also listening, um, Aisha, one of her, I mean, as we stated that she has a really popular YouTube channel and one of her popular um, videos is your hijab story. So that's yeah. like a very popular one. And you've been um, obviously getting a lot of comments from that. Uh so for, with that story, could you kind of explain to our audience who might not know what exactly is the hijab and what does it mean to you? Okay, very good question. Yeah, so the hijab in, in essence is representative of modesty. Now, I, I do need to clarify that because the media will will say otherwise that it's a symbol of oppression. It, it hurts, I mean, whoever's listening, you might've heard that narrative. You might've heard those stories. You might've seen images where it visibly kind of might seem like that way, but it's a very, very internal decision that you make out of this desire to get closer to God. Okay. This desire to want to be, to want to like be modest. That's like an active decision that you have to make yourself. Of course, the narrative isn't like that. Mm-hmm. like globally people's young children are like young girls are forced into wearing it by their families culture plays a huge part in it but 
ultimately this decision is rooted in your own opinion. And that was a, a, like the case for me, which I'm so super, super glad. My parents never forced this decision onto me or wearing it. And so for me, it truly is just a step into um, getting closer and strengthening my relationship with God because I'm actively consciously aware that I'm taking an extra step that um, was like kind of mm -hmm. commanded or like it suggested in the holy book. Mm, okay. Um, and then if we could dive a little bit further with that. So becoming closer to God by having um, this headscarf, can you explain how that makes you closer to God a little bit? For sure. Um, it's always, it's just, it's about mindset. So uh, as soon as I put on a hijab and I decided that I, I remember the date, January 4th, 2019. So I hit two years just this past January. Um, and it came with a huge mindset shift. Uh, I was, it's not just the fact that I'm different in my, a different looking in my appearance. It was an internal change that I like kind of experience a huge huge spiritual awakening for that matter because when I, I realized once I put it on it wasn't that like I was visibly more Muslim there was internal changes that were happening that like I asked myself all the time should I be doing this should I be here should I do this with my friends should I just always all these questions that like I never was asking myself before the wearing the hijab it was like questions stemming from morality questions stemming from religiosity that I just never was aware of. And as soon as I put the hijab on, I think I made that internal decision that I was gonna try to do my best to be more religious and to be more practicing in my faith that um, when I go about and navigate my everyday life, there's always a secondary in the conscious asking, like asking myself that, should you really be doing this Aisha? And I never had that like a second of voice in my head really until I started wearing the hijab. So to me wearing, the, wearing it, kind of reinforces that like secondary nature of like always having to ask myself and being the asking questions that will make me the best Muslim and the best version of myself as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously you, right now you're talking about like different internal changes. When you start wearing the job, did you notice anything in your physical environment that started to change too? Maybe it could be the people around you or it could be, I don't even know what it would be like, but just, yeah, just any physical changes. Yeah, I mean, very, I mean, speaking like pretty honestly, for me, it was my clothing that changed. I wanted to really in introduce the entirety of like what it means to be wear modest or like put on the hijab. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my first and foremost, my wardrobe changed. And then, um, secondly, I received an overwhelming amount of support. There was no like physical change in my like group there was no like distancing from people there was no um backlash it was in it was external like as soon as i'd walk off campus and go about my daily life i'd get more stares i at the grocery store i'd be more very involved and more like actively aware that people were staring at me out of just either curiosity or like whatever maybe i give them the benefit of the doubt but there were more stares there was a people would go out of their way on the sidewalk to sometimes avoid me. These are very just like rare or sometimes often occasions that um, I think might've been inspired by the new look, but I mean, I don't know. I just might've not noticed it beforehand, but um, I really appreciated the fact that no one really had that dis physical distance mm. as soon as I started putting it on. There was questions, natural questions. They were like, why they were like very curious which was kind of nice and I like explained why I just did the like made this decision but nothing like out of like negativity or yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's awesome especially just 
kind of taking that big step um, for you and having that support, that's a really big thing. I would say like one question I have too is, what was the reaction like within your family? Because that's very different from the outside environment, right? And you, um, I mean, as you mentioned, you went to a traditionally Muslim school for your like before high school experience. And then now like when you weren't there, that's when you made the decision to wear the hijab. So what what was their reaction? Um, Basically, I, this was a conversation that I was always having with myself. And at times I would have it with my family as well, specifically my mom, because she does wear the hijab. And um, for her, it was her decision as well. So it wasn't something she was forced into either. So I think she related in that sense that like, she knew that she, cause I have two other sisters and none, none, neither of the two of them wear hijab. So it wasn't something that we were like forced into by our parents. And my mom understood that if we were gonna do it, it had to come out of us. So. Yeah. She was very supportive of it a hundred percent. She was like, but she like comforted me. She was like asking myself the questions that I needed to ask myself mm-hmm. as well. As in, are you sure? Are yeah. you sure you want to put it on? Do you know what it entails? Like questions that were like, maybe immediately out of like excitement. I never asked myself, but when I did ask myself, I like was almost prepared. I was preparing myself for a shift. I was preparing myself for these differences. Whereas my dad was more concerned he was more concerned. Like, it's funny because when I tell people this, they immediately assume that my parents were super excited. They were like so down for it. Cause like, I mean, they're pretty religious and they're involved too. But, um, yeah. my dad was concerned. He was like, I don't like, kind of just suggesting, I don't think you should put it on. I mean, he's coming from experiences that like makes his opinion makes sense. You know, he's dealt with like, is it like safety reasons or what is the reason? Yeah. Safety reasons, racism reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, airport, you know, like just stuff yeah. that like totally makes sense. And I understand where he's coming from, but at the end of the day, it was my decision. And I had to have that conversation with him. Like, look, if I don't feel safe in pr- like practicing and being visibly like Muslim and like taking that step, like that's, that's on them. Like that's around, that's exactly. like, that's not on me. Like I it shouldn't stop me from doing what I want and being religious or like in my opinion, being more religious. Um, it's on everybody else who just can't mm-hmm. seem to hop on this, like, on like like break the narrative of it being like oppressive or whatever it may be so so to get to that mindset that was that a process or were you always thinking like that where it was like people around me need to accept what I'm what I choose to do and who I choose to be mm-hmm. and that's I mean like with that obviously with our generic generation with social media and with all these different like ways of people communicating it's raised the anxiety levels within like um within our community especially our age as well and I mean you talked about too when you put on the hijab you noticed your physical environment people were looking at you more and that can also raise anxiety so how did you deal with that struggle maybe with before and after you put on the hijab in terms of I guess yeah just dealing with this kind of maybe anxiety inducing like I guess environment yeah for sure um I mean I guess before wearing it there was no like extra added layer of like anxiety or that like you know caution of like what it means because I would only feel those ways when I would see visibly on the news that was something happening I mean it was it got to the point where it was so sad that like when something bad happened in terms of like an event or like a, a terrorist attack I literally prayed the guy like the person involved wasn't identifying as a Muslim and wasn't brown you know like 
stuff that like knew that would look reflect bad on my community, whether it was like a race community, whether it was a religious community. Um, and that was even before wearing the hijab, like putting it on. I had that like connection that like, I knew that I, this wasn't whatever was happening on the media wasn't true yeah. to either. Like those are just stereotypes. And I didn't know how to have those conversations with my peers. Cause it was like, I didn't feel like I had a place in, in answering those questions because I wasn't, I guess, the most religious person, you know, so I had opinions, but I felt too afraid to express those opinions because who would believe me? Who would believe this girl who doesn't wear the hijab? Who like, I mean, you know what I mean? So those conversations, I really had to internalize myself and it got to the point where I I had to ask around. I had to ask like scholars. I had to ask people higher up, like more knowledgeable in my community that like, because some of the times the things I'd see on the, like the news or the media and stuff like that, it really got to me. Yeah. It really got to me where I, I asked myself, is this right? Like, is that what we, be- like, yeah. I had doubts. I had natural doubts that I had to really figure out and ask around and ask people who are more knowledgeable of me. Whereas as soon as I put on the hijab, I was more in a place of certainty. Yeah. So I, uh, whenever those instances would happen and, and I would maybe have those doubts, they were immediately washed away because I was already at a place of more knowledge. I was at a place of more comfort. I was at a place of more certainty. And so when those would arise, I very felt comfortable speaking about those opinions. I would very well have those conversations with my peers who would ask me like, just turn around because now I'm visibly more Muslim. Like, so on the news, I saw blah. Like, is that what you guys believe in? Like people would be more A, more (laughs) open about asking me that because I'm obviously the token hijabi on campus at like high school. And B, um, I, I reciprocated. I try to answer to the best of my abilities because I didn't want them to go home and have no answer to have that just be the vision in their head. So I tried my best, but, um, it, it took a bit of like, like shifting internally and, and practicing to be more open about everything. I think that's something that's really important to bring awareness to, because a lot of people think that when these events happen, like they always are the ones that are the, like when they're not part of the religion, they're the ones who are questioning these people. And they think of it as like an outside perspective where Muslims aren't really um, concerned about that. They just follow their faith and they're not thinking about, I guess, these like issues. And you're, you're exactly bringing like light to the, to the struggle for yourself too, that you went through to be very, just to really find the truth in your religion rather than um, following what the media says about your religion. And I think that's really important because obviously like, it's just, it's not as black and white as the media presents it. And it's really important to know that also the people who are part of this community too are thinking about these issues constantly as well. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Uh, Just it's, and it was, um, it was hard. I think, I don't remember the timeline of it, but, um, with the growth, I mean, the growth of ISIS was like really challenging, like super challenging. I mean, I don't even remember, I think it was 2013, 14. I don't even remember the timeline, but it was either the end of my eighth grade, like middle school, where I was so enclosed in that bubble that I didn't realize people don't see us like this. They don't see us. Like I interact with my like um, everyday life. They are seeing us the way the media is showing us. And at the time, I mean, I wasn't watching the news religiously. I wasn't on social media Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand that when I would go about and I would be wearing and during the religious months where I would just wear the hijab and um, Mm -hmm. like traditional outfit out of like, you know, because everyone was doing that. I didn't understand that they were looking at us because that's they had a different perception of what was going on. And I didn't understand that until I was much older and like in high school and 
that negative like backlash from those events were still kind of engrossed in everybody's minds that's when I had to start like figuring out like oh no that's not that's why they're looking at me like it's because of everything that happened um that they still kind of look at me like that but yeah that's an interesting like I guess like yeah as you get older you have more knowledge to also kind of look back on these like different experiences that have happened maybe in your childhood that you didn't realize were affecting your experience but they might have at the time but I do want to get into like your transition to college that's like one thing that I would love to talk about especially because within coming I got obviously with the American University and college experience there's a lot of things that come with that expectations that come with that I know that you had talked about when you put on the hijab you started to have this extra layer of being internalizing like questions that you would have like things that that would make you think about your actions to make you a better person Mm -hmm. and with college obviously there's you're on your own and you're a lot of people start to experiment with different things alcohol Mm -hmm. is a big thing that happens also partying and just like a lot of just culture around just a lot of different types of culture that are not as like I mean, that are not the best types of cultures that colleges might be not wanting to promote, but it happens. So how did you deal with that when coming to college? Maybe did you have like, did you think about this before you came to college? How did that go for you? Yeah, I mean, so my parents, um, there was never an instance where I knew that like, oh, maybe a real, like a secular uh, education wasn't for me, you know, like it, that was never the question. So I kind of knew and I anticipated what the college experience is like. I think everybody knows that by <laughs> when you yeah. get into high school. I mean, and I was a huge like chick flick movie person that like every, <laughs> college, every like college movie show. So I knew, I knew yeah. what I was getting myself into. Um, but I just knew that like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, you tell yourself, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like, this is not going to be me. I'm going to go in and have like, just stay true to myself. And I, and thankfully I can say that I did. It was a bit of a challenging experience because I mean, actually I, I, I'm going to be dropping a YouTube video on this, but like the college experience in my opinion is overrated. And maybe that's because I'm coming from a very, (laughs) very, very different perspective, like a religious perspective that like, I'm not partying every night. I don't drink alcohol. I mean, and all these things might seem like drastic, might seem foreign, might seem weird. Um, but immediately, like my friends were super accepting of it. So I went to college, like, you know, you meet new people, you hang out with different people, but they were very accepting of it. They understood that like when they would do their things, I wouldn't judge them, they would do it, but I I, I just wouldn't tag along. I would, if I was at a football, like if I'm going to a football game and the tail, you know, things happen beforehand, I would simply just I mean, they, they would do their thing and they would understand that like, okay, Aisha isn't going to join us for this part, but we'll meet up with her at the game. You know, it's just like things that like I had to explain at first, which is, it took that awkward conversation. It, it did take that like conversation, but it was something that I knew I needed to have. I, I wasn't shy about it. I wasn't like afraid to express my opinions and beliefs on these things because fundamentally it's make it makes me who I am. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't afraid of that. So um it was it was interesting and I mean you still deal with it like I mean I I not I had natural inclinations of like going to like frat party like just yeah. natural like things that I wanted to kind of experience because you see the media you, you you this whole narrative of the college experience is so enticing sometimes mm. but it takes another layer that like ask myself is it worth it like really do you really want to do this Aisha oh, or, you, yeah. <laughs> or do you just want to do it because all of your friends are doing it you know what I mean especially as a freshman I mean honestly thankfully I mean the pandemic kind of hit at a point where like 
I was, I, I was at a point where it was like my middle second semester, of my freshman year when the, like when everything kind of went to chaos. Um, and just as soon as I was like, kind of like figuring out who I was in college, mm-hmm. it's like the pandemic hit. It was so weird for that to happen because I mean, first, first semester I was not experimenting, but like I was moving from like finding new people, finding my people. I was like in a pursuit of like finding my people. I found a Muslim community, like a Muslim student union, which was amazing, but I never like took the extra step of like those were my girls. Like those were my like friend group. It was always like, okay, I have my, you know, Muslim community, but I want to experience college outside of like that. You know what I mean? It was just natural for me to have that. But it was like, as soon as I was trying to figure out that maybe I don't care to have those experiences, I don't care to have that fundamental college experience where everything kind of shut off. (laughs) And so it was weird that like, when I finally got to the point of like acceptance and comfort with like what I, what I aspire to get out of college, it shut off. So it's just, it was a weird, but yeah. Interesting. Um, and you said like to like, which is really awesome because a lot of times people are very judgmental, but you said your friends, like they understood that when you wouldn't participate in these activities, they understood why. And then from there, they would just be very understanding of when you would kind of come in and like be with them and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, a lot of times there's kind of the stigma and the stereotype that comes with people who are religious that they will try to portray their views on other people and are not open to accepting what other people are doing or they're not they're they're trying to like change someone based on their own views how did you make sure that that wasn't how you were coming off and you were coming off as just being strong with your own beliefs but also letting people act in the ways they wanted to for sure. I mean, that's super difficult. That that border of that, like, of like being too um, aggressive when it comes to religious yeah. opinions and beliefs and being too quiet, you know, you have to find yeah. that like, balance of like speaking up for yourself, but not like engaging in like some sort of like aggressive, like commentary back and forth. And um, I want to say that originally going into I was going into college. I was, um, more on the quiet side. I mean, I was really, really excited to make friends and like, kind of like do what they were like, you know, just, just for the ease of like comfort, like yeah. you have comfort friends, you have like, you have like uh, convenience friends. And yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it was difficult. Cause like, sometimes I wouldn't speak up. I would attend and I'd hang out with them at, at places and the environments that like I, I internally felt awkward, felt very, yeah outsider like mm-hmm. but I didn't say anything and so that's what I'm saying like by the time I kind of like slowly like mid first semester when I finally like opened up and I'm like okay guys I'm gonna take a step back I don't actually that those conversations I wish that I had those conversations sooner because people were accepting and I just needed to understand that like if they understand I just need to explain it to them they and and if they whatever they take from it they take from it but I don't want to you know force my opinions onto them because I understand I mean that's that stigma is like very just something that I just doesn't sit right with me because in there's so many verses that says you you can't force anybody into the religion like you're not supposed to do that at the end of the day it's religion itself is such an individualistic aspect that everyone has their own journey with it so I was never at a place of like trying to like force people into like agreeing with me or like seeing that my side or my opinion was the best but that I finally overcame the barrier of being too quiet so yeah I mean that's that's awesome because I especially think too like finding that balance as you said is very difficult especially too when you're in a new environment and you don't know the people so it's yeah. like it's like when you don't know how they're going to react to you expressing your views how are you supposed to also judge what you can and can't say you know and it's 
exactly. it's a struggle, but it's also like, it seems like you have a very, I mean, you feel very grounded with your religion, as you've said to me before, that you feel comfortable expressing yourself. And that is a really important. And I definitely want to start kind of talking about your transition into like being more interested in social media. Um, so kind of, I knew you, you said that before, um, before, I guess, like you were wearing the hijab, you were posting things that were maybe more related to mm-hmm. just your regular daily life and yeah. um, wouldn't be related to actually your religion. But now there's a definitely, as you said, there was like a 180 with your profile and how yeah. you're really posting things that were um, specific to your religion. Could mm-hmm. you talk about that process, how that came about? Yeah. Um, did you see like, a, like what made you make that shift? Was it that your audience was growing? What was mm-hmm. it? Wow, that's a really, really good question. I don't, that change happened with the pandemic because I think with, I think with the pandemic, um, everyone hopped onto social media more so than I've ever experienced in my entire life. People hopped onto TikTok, every social media platform that you can imagine. And I realized that like, there is a need for connectivity, but it overwhelmed me. I started to have a really love hate relationship with social media that I never had before the pandemic because I wasn't aware of um, the ramifications or like the impact it has to post something, what it means to post something or what it means to have something out there um, into the world or whatever it may be until I realized how much people rely and look on social media and then like judge you or like, you know, the, the perceptions people have of people on social media. And I quickly had that conversation with myself is like, okay, wait a minute, Why should, do you really want to post this on social media? Like, is this what you want to put? Like, is this what you want your profile to be? And I realized at the end of the day, the only way that I would have social media, because background story, I had deleted my Snapchat at the, like, the beginning, the first month of pandemic, which was maybe a stupid idea because I lost contact with yeah. like so many people. Um, and then um, shortly thereafter, I deleted TikTok. And I was at the verge of deleting Instagram because I was like, I just don't care. I just don't, I don't care for the whole, um, oh, here's my fit. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just wanted to be, I had that like internal shift and spiritual awakening that I realized I wanted to be more purposeful or more mindful with my, with my work, with my, whatever I put out there. And so I deleted everything that I didn't want out there in the world. And I don't know how to explain that and like explain why I wanted to change up things on my Instagram feed or my social media feeds um, for a lack of like asking myself, like, is this how I want to portray myself? Is this who I want people to remember me by? Mm-hmm. And I realized that the most important thing that I wanted people to get out there and have out there is my religion. And to, to reinforce the fact of this is the biggest part of who I am. And if I don't, if I stop posting like uh, fit pics or if I stop posting like self portraits or whatever it may be and if people unfollow me which I mean naturally there was a like a weird like there was a kind of unfollowing there then I don't care you know um I just didn't care anymore and um I started posting what I wanted to post which was landscape shots and which was like religious reminders and and writing and like things that I was really really genuinely happy to post yeah that's awesome I think it um with that too did you how, so how did you kind of feel after you also deleted those accounts? Because that's a big thing with mental health. A lot of times people are like, just get off social media. It's a huge thing that just really 
can yeah. really destroy your mental health because obviously it's a platform people post their best they're never going to post their worst all they're going to do is be posting good moments so that they can share and create this persona for themselves so how did that make you feel after you deleted them because I've also gone through that process and oh my goodness it wasn't even a choice actually so yeah. my account and took over my main account so exactly. I just kind of I like reported the account because they made it public and they were like not giving it back so wow. I it and then it got taken down fully so I had like no access to it at all wow and after that I just had my like little Finsta account that I didn't even follow anyone I followed just accounts to keep up with the news and to keep up with just like things related to my major and all these things and oh my gosh it changed me it changed the way I was seeing things I was like wow I'm not judging my life by other people's lives anymore and also on top of that it was like it was weird because I would go and like to hang out with friends from back home and they would be like on their Instagrams and I'd like see their feed and like all these people that were from my high school and I didn't know what they were up to and I was like but I didn't even care that they were like up to all these things and I just like realized like wow like just kind of disconnecting from that is a big mm-hmm. thing because then it makes you focus on yourself and also makes you find out what you value more too. Mm-hmm. Everything you said, preach to the fullest yeah. because I mean, I, um, in 2020, and I think when I had, a, I sat down and I had that reflection at the end of 2020 and what you said right there that people only post the good stuff on social media was one of my reflection points. It was like one of the lessons that I learned in 2020. And that came with the pandemic because I assumed that we were all in the same like boat of staying home, isolating. And when you easily see that, like, oh my gosh, people are living their best lives in this environment. Well, we were, that, like, like being productive in this pr- environment. We're like finding a new skill or like that, that. that was in the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, it was, and it was never one, like, it was never an experience out of jealousy, because that's not something that I feel. It was the fact that, like, I knew that I I was telling myself, like, I can do that. Like, why isn't that, why aren't you doing that, Aisha? Like, like, you know, like, though, that type of conversation, that was not helpful. So when I deleted Snapchat, when I, like, go, go off of these social media accounts, I've learned things. I've learned things with each step, um, and so with Snapchat, I, I mean, I didn't realize how big of a like FOMO I had, like a fear. Like, I was always checking stories. I mean, and as soon as I deleted it, I mean, I was scared because I, I stopped talking to people. I stopped having those streaks. I stopped having a little bit of interactions, but I realized that like, I don't care. It's like what you said, like, it, I don't need to know what is happening. And this, this person from high school that I never actually exactly. talked to. Like, yeah. And then like with TikTok, it was like, my thing, my like thing with TikTok was that I think I was on it for the wrong reasons. I don't, I didn't like that. A, I was scroll, I was just, I was scrolling mindlessly, but B, I think I was on it for the sake of like always seeing people who went viral and like change that it changed your lives. And I was like thinking like, oh, that could happen to me. But I realized I don't want that to happen. Like I, I realized <laughs> that that wasn't for me. And I didn't yeah. want, I didn't seek that fame or like virality of like doing something like jovial you know I wanted if I was gonna do anything I wanted my work to be meaningful which is like a conversation that I always had with myself of like putting more being more um productive or mindful about like what I was putting out there yeah I mean that's interesting because especially with people who are like popular on social media a lot of their main goal is like views or likes or things like that but you're saying that that kind of you during the pandemic you realize like that's not too important to me so how did this transition to youtube occur then like to another social media platform yeah i ventured into youtube um beginning of 2021 so it's been a recent venture into youtube but i realized that like 
ultimately YouTube is actually, I think the best platform to produce meaningful work. Yeah. And it was the right, I think it was the right way for me to actually get more content out there that I believed in and that I wanted to discuss. Cause this is a video platform. I can like literally just turn on the camera and have these conversations that I'm having with you, you yeah. know, yeah. and I could put, put it out there and whoever would, whatever audience attract gets attracted to it. I start having that following. And then it's people who I like believe in or like identify relate with what I'm saying. Yeah. And so originally my concept was that I mean, I grew up in this, when YouTube was huge and it still is, but like when that huge, um, like when there's, you know, you see like YouTubers now that have risen throughout that career. Mm -hmm. And I was growing up with people like YouTubers and like DIYers and influencers that I was watching that like, I liked their content and stuff, but something was missing. There was like a disconnect that I had. And I realized quickly that like, it was that religion card. It was, they were, I mean, it was fun to watch. They were really cool people like Laura DIY, Bethany Mode. I mean, these influencers yeah, yeah. are cool and stuff, but sometimes when they would post out content, I couldn't relate to it and I couldn't identify with them and I couldn't, they weren't growing up in the same way I was growing up, you know, and with this religious setting as well. So I realized I wanted to be that, that content or that person that I, I wished I had when I was growing up and I guess that might be naive and stuff but I think I've heard I've had like really good responses to some of my um more uh, religious content that I've actually been putting out on my YouTube so that's been really good to hear I think that's like awesome too just that you had this realization that there was something missing and didn't just like fall into this pattern of just going with it because you thought society dictates this for me and this is what I should be consuming mm -hmm. um with that too being said were you ever watching like other Muslim YouTubers and was there a lot of recognition for the Muslim community when you were kind of coming into the space during the pandemic? Yeah. Um, so I think prior to the pandemic, there was little to none Muslim representation in the media industry to begin with. And then with the pandemic, with the whole rise of TikTok, there's been a burst of energy in like the Muslim representation, um, which has been a, a phenomenal like shift and phenomenal like, like, venture into because now people are being more introduced to what is like the religion actually entails and what it means so there's more like information out there mm -hmm. um for people to actually identify with what it like the right way of doing things but um that's been really amazing to see the only thing with that is that then I start to fall into this weird trap of like oh I could be that person and I don't like that comparison mindset that like kind of comes with social media so when I see Muslim influencers thriving I I respect them I highly like I love the, what they're doing but it does take a toll on me and it's because like I don't know what it is I think I want to identify with them and it's, it seems like something super cool but I realize that like that's not actually what you want, Aisha. And it's just social media telling you what you want, you know? So there's always like a huge like back. You have to take care of yourself first and foremost and strike that balance between is that something you really want to do or is that just something you're seeing on social yeah. media? I think that mindset though is really important to normalize. I think a lot of people are, they feel this, not jealousy, but they feel this like, just like, just feeling of wanting to be like someone else rather than yeah. themselves. And that's just a very common thing that happens. And it's not something to be looking down upon all the time because it also kind of, it's not your fault. Obviously it's society that's been perpetuating this through different yeah. things, you know? And obviously you have taken steps to try to achieve um, a mindset that's like devoid of that. You've been trying to do that with your religion and different things like that. Um, 
so kind of going into the topic of mental health related to your experience, maybe being on YouTube as well. Um, as you said, yeah, your religion is what really grounds you in your mental health. Can we talk about that a little bit more? No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. Um, my state of mind, <clears throat> my state of mind, my mental health is very cognizant and reflective of where I am spiritually. So if I'm at a weak point in my spirituality, and this is like something I had to take, it took time for me to understand this connection and this relationship. Um, but I'm at a point where I finally have understood the connection that mm-hmm. I've analyzed my behavior over college, high school. I mean, whenever I'm at a point of low, like weakness, I mean, weak, uh, like a weak relationship with God or like at a, a dipping point in my like spirituality and faith, it coincides very clearly with a little dip in my mental health. Mm-hmm. And when I, conversely, if I'm at the top where, I mean, I'm glad to say that I've hit a peak and hopefully I don't go down, but I'm at a peak right now with spirituality and faith. Um, and I've never been happier and mm-hmm. I've never been so much more stronger in my mental health. And it's because everything that I do is reflective of, of religion or it stems from faith because it my Islam is a way of life. And so these conversations that I do have with myself about in like social media and the impacts it has on me stems from also like underlying, like religious con like religious, um, thoughts as well as in like do I want to see these stuff on my feed like like it like stuff that I did it doesn't sit right with me things that like people will post about parties like it just internally doesn't sit right with me so everything is kind of rooted in that um uh faith oriented mindset that I didn't realize actually impacts and greatly benefits my mental health when it when the that stuff Mm -hmm. happens so I so when you're going through like an experience maybe where you maybe you, the first thing you notice is your mental health rather than your spirituality. So yeah. what do you do in those situations? How do you kind of help your mental health through religion? Yeah. Um, no, that's a really, really good question. I think that that distinction was really nice. Um, I noticed that I might be feeling a certain way and then I realize and I like pinpoint the fact that like, Oh, I might've missed my prayer or I'm, I might've um, missed something or I could have added something in my like spirituality, like, like, um, practice that I didn't have that day or that week or that month. Mm. Um, so as soon as I have a dipping point, I quickly ask myself, or I, I, the first thing I do is pray. That's the first thing that I do. I pray, I sit down, um, and and praying like, as in like the actual prayer that we have the ritual or like, just, just talking to God. Um, and I just vent. I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I just vent. I like, I talk to him more than I talk to more, most people about my emotions and my feelings and my, whatever I'm feeling at that moment. Um, and it's nice once I vocalize that and it's nice because I'm vocalizing it. It's not that I'm keeping it internal. Like I'm not just like, in, like putting stuff in. I'm, I'm actually speaking it to the world. And I'm, when I hear myself vocalizing those feelings and I realize, Oh crap, like I, I hear, I feel that way. This is what mm-hmm. it comforts me knowing that if anyone is there, like if, if I feel like no one is there, I forget that I, and I realize quickly that God is there. God is there with me when no one else is. And that's like who I turn to when, when I have a dipping point and that gives me so much comfort. And then there's also like little things that I do. Um, I, I, I have a daily recitation of our holy, my holy book. I'm like for the first time since last religious, like the last holy fasting month, I started reading it with translation because I don't actually understand Arabic, unfortunately. So it's just nice to know that like, these words are powerful. There's, they, they, they provide so much comfort to me when I do read it. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I think 
that's also just in general in terms of mental health being able to talk through what you're going through and also recognizing certain things that are happening within your mind are very essential for mental health especially dealing with problems related to depression and anxiety a lot of those stem from a built up of emotions within you that you aren't processing and you're just kind of holding them within yourself and that's why obviously seeking help is a big part of mental health as well and that's something I want to dive into too within the Muslim community I know that we talked a little bit about the Muslim community but also the Desi community because I'm I'm a part of that as well and so it's this whole idea we that you mentioned of what stays in the home what we talk what you talk about in the home stays in the home yeah talk about that a little bit growing up in that experience yeah so I mean that's what I'm saying it's like more so there's a there's a cultural factor that comes with mental health and the stigma of mental health it's never been rooted in religion because I mean if you look back in religion in my there's always um resources and there's always something that there is there to explain it so whatever I deal with the um stigma of mental health it stems from culture first and foremost um like you mentioned I mean in the Desi community it's a generational thing like if you look to the grandparents and sometimes depending on who your parents are they always like okay you feel this way we'll deal with it um but don't tell anybody or like Bill conversation would be like oh did you tell the blonde blah that you were feeling this way and I'm like she's my friend like I I don't understand yeah. Like just stuff that like, if this is a, there's a huge, huge rep, reputation thing in, in the culture and that kind of deals with it. And I, but I know there's a huge shift in perspective. There's a huge shift in this culture that like, I'm super happy for, and I'm advocating for that. There's a, um, a change 360 change within the DC community and different cultures that like my friends are in Arab culture. I mean, any other culture that you may ask that are dealing with these like stereotypes of what it means to have mental health issues and, um, and with that, I've realized that maybe I didn't, I wasn't aware of like prior, there are so many resources. Yeah. If you just ask, if you just ask and you look for them, there are so many resources and this comes with a religious setting. There are so many sort like resources within the Muslim community and, and it's particularly the community I like go to mm-hmm. and like the mosques that I go to, but no one asked for them for the longest time that I've grown up. Nobody was asking for these resources because everybody wanted to like deal with their problems on their own even though like islam is all about community it's all about community and helping your brothers and sisters and there was a cultural barrier stopping that from happening and so i'm glad there's a huge shift in that yeah i mean i think that's something too we've talked about um with one of the professors who's on our podcast the importance of also even if it's not a therapist but the person you're going to for mental health guidance that they're also connected to your background. That is a huge thing because especially just related to, I mean, with religion, it's it's in the same same light, but like just knowing someone's circumstances can really go a long way because how are you supposed to help them through an experience if you haven't really, if you don't understand it or how they, how that, how that religion also has shaped this human being too and how they view the world. It's very interesting um, thing because that's just like, it's really hard to find those resources when you're not aware of them. So do you want to talk about some resources that you are kind of mentioning? Yeah, first and foremost, I mean, this might might not impact everybody, but I I would say um, if you are Muslim and you're listening to this, go seek out resources from your local mosque. Um, There are more more than you think about. Um, The scholars there, 
the imams and the scholars there provide you with counseling. There's so many counseling sessions and there's also um, like therapists on in the, that can help you through whatever you're going through. So, so seek it out and ask for the, for that help. And then more so at USC specifically, the office of religious life provides so many important resources as well. Same sort of counseling, same sort of like, um, underlying resources that are there to help you go through whatever you want from a religious standpoint. So if that's something you're looking for, that's in a fun, like an amazing resource to look on. Um, Dean Sony, who kind of oversees everything is so welcoming and so catering to so many different people's needs. Um, and he, I'm so glad to say he's supported MSU and the Muslim community through thick and thin. So the office of religious license is my go-to. And then, um, more specifically at USC, um, free counseling sessions. There are, um, at Engelman, I think they opened up a new, um, floor. I mean, we can't go in person, but you can on, like search up online and have one of those one-on-one sessions and see if therapy is like really like something you need or something you are seeking. Um, and more importantly, more fundamentally and more internally have a journal, have a go-to or have a, like an escape some sort of treat, some sort of like thing that you, that you desire and know will bring you solace and comfort. And for me, that's more of a religious thing. That's that reading Quran or that's um, going on a walk. I love going on walks, um, but something that you find comfort and joy in. Hmm. And maybe that just kind of takes you away from whatever you're feeling. Yeah. And then one more thing to touch on as well. If some of our viewers are interested in learning more about your religion, interested in learning more um, just see maybe they can apply what you've gained from the religion. Do you have like maybe three things that you've gained from your religion that like would help others kind of learn more about um, kind of the path they can take? And then also if there's resources on how to learn, how to be more involved and also to just yeah. kind of incorporate um, like Muslim ideals into their life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, MSU on campus of Muslim Student Union is super welcoming. It's not, obviously it's more, I guess, catered towards Muslims because our, our whole thing is providing a space, a safe space for Muslims to practice, to do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But we are very catered, like open to non-Muslims coming in and just seeing what we're all about. Yeah. So we have events that are more religiously based. So if you want to like dip your toes mm -hmm. into what um, that entails, we have a uh, weekly religious lectures by our chaplain who's uh, at USC but also we get it from a local mosque so he comes in virtually and gives us a little like one hour lecture uh, religious lecture so I can send you that information but mm -hmm. it happens on Tuesdays at six o'clock um, you can follow our social usc.msu on Instagram and all that information will be out there but also just having one of those social environment like events that we have come out to you'll connect with us on more of like a not scary platform because I know sometimes religion can be a little bit daunting and overwhelming so if you come out to one of our social events you can actually just meet us get yeah. to know us and and really like just connect and vibe with us overall but um if you're if you are genuinely interested in learning more about the religion from a very um true standpoint our the same chaplain has office hours um he's because he's part of like uh the office of religious life he has office hours on tuesdays um from one to six as well and if you have any questions i highly recommend and i, I would direct your attention to somebody who is obviously knowledgeable and more adept and perceptive of, of answering more questions that you have. Um, and ultimately, if I can say that like three things that I've taken away from my religion, and this is only three because I'm always learning new things and I'm always applying new things in, in my life. But wow, that's, that's like a powerful question. But um, there's a huge, huge 
morality component with it it builds character i mean islam is a way of life and i don't and without it i wouldn't be who i am today because there are so much characteristics that are highly emphasized and i've learned truly what right and wrong is i've learned what it means to be a good uh, to be a good person so that's yeah. like the number one thing that i've taken away is that like character mm-hmm. character is fundamental with the religion you can't have bad character and say you're muslim which a lot some people think is the case but good character is fundamental so that's been super nice the second thing would be um community there's always um in islam it's emphasized that help your brothers and sisters help the, the needy feed the orphan like so many verses so many verses telling spend give charity give charity and so there's a huge community component to that the mm-hmm. last thing would be um this is kind of like i guess might turn dark in a second but um that this life is very fleet like fleeting like it's very temporary and for me because I, I i do believe in um the next life i mean um and so I understand that like whatever happens, like don't get too caught up in the world, in this world, because it's fleeting. It's, it's going to go away. It's going to, I mean, we're all destined to be in the grave, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's how I live. Not that I'm like constantly thinking about like, I can die any moment, but it's just like that, that understanding that like, do what you can try your best, be the best that you can be, but it's okay. If you fall short, it's okay. If you don't see live up to your expectations or if you don't get that job if you don't get the blah or whatever it may be because it's god's will like everything is written for you like it's god's will. just have trust in god and 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 everything will fall into place and that was like the biggest thing in this spiritual awakening that i realized that like if something doesn't happen or go your way it's probably meant to be, like fundamentally it was meant to be and yeah. so that was like something that i would uh, i learned as well that's beautiful thank you i think those three points are really um going to really probably entice some people to look further into the religion hopefully it was very interesting to hear your perspective today and kind of talk about your journey but also your journey with mental health and I appreciate you being here with us today I I completely love that this is opening up the topics we're talking about on here because obviously we do want to be um, very inclusive of very different environments and different people from different backgrounds and this is a great way to kind of start leading into a conversation about the connection between mental health and religion. So thank you so much. This is a big step for us and we're excited that you are a part of it. I'm so, thank you so much for having me. And I, I commend you guys. I salute you guys on that step because um, there's a huge community that is out there that like relies on religion for their mm-hmm. mental health. Um, I mean, any, any big sect, a Christian, I mean, any people of, of, of faith, and that's rooted in their mental health. So, I mean, you guys are venturing in the right way and like opening up that conversation a bit further. So I commend you guys on your efforts. Awesome. Well, I hope you have a really great rest of your Saturday. Um, I know that you said you had some fun plans. So I hope you enjoy those and hopefully we can stay in touch and talk again sometime soon. Yeah, of course. Same to you. All right. Bye guys. Thank you guys so much for listening and having me on here. Bye. Hey everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really did. I also learned a lot um, in terms of the connection between mental health and religion. I personally grew up in um, a semi-religious family um, that practiced Hinduism, but I can completely relate to where she's coming from. As I said, I grew up in a Desi home too, where mental health wasn't a priority. It was more so success within your career, um, physical health, and just family. And 
a lot of those values I still carry with me today, but I also have expanded on that as well in terms of mental health. Obviously with this podcast, you can tell I'm very passionate about it. And it's something that I realized that is actually becoming very important in communities that weren't really interested before in mental health because it affects all realms of your life. Um, As I've stated before, it affects whether you're gonna get that job, it affects your performance in school, it affects everything. And having this new perspective of how religion can help you balance that is very important. So I hope that you were able to get a lot out of today. Obviously we'll be listening to resources she mentioned um, on our website. So thank you so much. And we look forward to um, speaking with you guys next week. Bye, bye now.